hoax, myth, or legend, we're searching for the truth. This is the Bigfoot King of the Forest Podcast. Welcome to the Bigfoot King of the Forest podcast, episode number 16. 16? We are up to 16. It's old enough to drive? It is. It, it has its license. You better stay off the roads. Because <laughs> Sasquatch, while they're probably smarter than most primates, I'm not sure if they have the ability to operate a motor vehicle. Is it full speed ahead? <laughs> It could be any number of things. But, welcome. This is your host, Jeff and... Sarah. And we are back. We After had to take, taking a week off. We had to take a week off last week. Um, on the 8th of November, I had surgery. Uh, last week, I was feeling pretty down. I'm still not 100%. Still having a lot of pain. Probably about 80%, but it's time to get back into the studio and record. I had, I forget they called it, ACDF surgery. So I think it's the, whatever the acronym is for it. They basically sliced my neck open and took out a disc that was herniated and pressing on my um, spinal cord, the nerves and stuff, and Mm -hmm. took that out, put a brand new surgical plastic one in, and then bolted me together with a little fusion action. Um been on some pretty good drugs the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, I like peppermint mochas. That's the new. <laughs> that's the new thing. Should I tell the story? You can tell the story. Okay. That's fine. So Jeff's in the in the hospital. You know they um, haven't haven't been able to see him yet or anything. And finally, they the nurse comes to find me, and she's like. Are you waiting for someone? I'm like, yeah, I'm waiting for Jeff. And she goes, okay, that's what I thought. I don't know if maybe because of HIPAA they can't come out and they can't be like, Jeff Loquist? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, yeah, I'm waiting for Jeff. And she's like, okay, that's what I thought. And so we started walking. And she goes, just by the way, he's going to ask you for a peppermint mocha. I was like, I kind of sighed. And I was like, okay. I'm like, yeah, that's like his favorite thing. And she goes, no, no, no. You don't understand. He's asked me three times for a peppermint mocha. I was like, okay. I'm like, oh. I understand. I walk in the room. First thing he does is asks me to give him a kiss. And then asks me to get him a peppermint mocha. Sure enough. And I was like, well, I drive right by it on the way um, from work. And I needed to go back to work once he got settled in his room. Because I had a meeting that afternoon. And I was like, well, can I bring one up after work? he's like, yeah, that'll be fine. I was like, okay. Then not even like five minutes later, he's like, I could really go for a peppermint mocha. And then I'm like, so I just played that one off because he didn't actually ask for it. So I just kind of like let that one slide. And then about five minutes later after that, he was like, can you please go get me a peppermint mocha? And I was like, okay. 
So then I like got my stuff together and everything and I walk out and the nurse is at the nurse station and she's like, looks at me funny because I'd literally been there 10 minutes. And she's like, what? And I was like, he really wants peppermint mocha. And the other nurse was like, I can go make a fresh pot of coffee. That's not a big deal. And the first nurse was like, no, you don't understand. He really wants a peppermint mocha. So I drove to Starbucks, got him a peppermint mocha, took a picture of it while I was there and sent it to our group chat with our friends and to, oh no, I sent it to the one with the kids. And I was like, your dad really wants peppermint mocha. And so then our oldest was like, yeah, dad's a white girl or, oh no, cause you said yeah or something. Yeah. Apparently I turned to a basic bitch. <laughs> yeah. Basic white girl when he gets, um, about his Starbucks. And so then I got it back to him and he's like, you really didn't have to do that, honey. I'm like, yeah, I did. He's like, well, where'd you go? And I was, well, then he saw that I went to Starbucks and he thought that there was a Starbucks downstairs no, I literally had to drive down the road to go get Starbucks. And then he thought, then later in the day, he thought the picture that I had sent to our group chat was later in the day. He didn't realize that that was actually from Starbucks. And, like, you just lost the whole sequence of time that day. Yeah. And then the next day when he was released from the hospital, he's like, can we get a peppermint mocha on the way home? I've been high as fuck. Blast. <laughs> so, that for those first few days especially. I guess that's that's what the nurse was saying is like apparently I curse a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I curse a lot anyway, but it you was get very cursy. It was full throttle. Like I do remember waking up in the the recovery room and the nurse being like, Oh, hi, Mr. Lucas, how are you doing? And I was like, I feel fucking great. <laughs> and she was like, Sir, I'm gonna have to ask you not to curse in here and I was like, What? And then she walks, and then I pass back out. And then I remember her coming back in a little bit later and being like, just checking on you. I was like, I told you, I feel fucking great. I feel good. And she's like, I really need to ask you to quit cursing. And I'm like, lady, I don't know what to fucking tell you. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? So that's all I get. That's actually, I, I remember bits and pieces that day because I was pretty out of it. Like, I remember, like, they gave me the shot of the stuff. The fentanyl. Before you go in. And I remember, like, giving you a kiss. And that was it. Like, they started rolling me back, and, it like, everything went out. Like, because I know with the fentanyl, you don't fall asleep. Mm -mm. But my mind was gone. So, um, anyway, but, you know, surgery went well. Um, and... I, like, yeah, like, even, like, right now, my back's hurting from sitting in this chair. This is not a very comfortable chair, but... Um, but it's not the it's not all the stuff that used to hurt no longer hurts, so now it's just other things that are like overcompensating with my right side, so that I'm got like a pulled mm -hmm. muscle in my back right now, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sarah talked me into this. I didn't want to do it, but I appreciate it. Um, oh, the surgery. The surgery. The mm -hmm. surgery. Yeah. The you know, I did not want to go. I didn't even want to go to the doctor. I don't. You know. I just don't want to do those things. But Well, we started off, I was thinking that physical therapy would help. And so that's how I'd convinced you to get a referral to physical therapy. Yeah. No, In no way did we think that this is, was going to end up with this. Yeah, because I thought I had bursitis. That's what the VA doctors told me. And I've had this for like eight years, something like that. And went to the, the physical therapist was like, well, we can't even look at him. So I mean, the other doctor... 
before he even took the x-rays, he knew exactly what was wrong with me. And then he sent me the MRI and it just proved it out. And so, I don't know, within two, three weeks, they had me fixed up. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I mean, fuck the VA. They mm-hmm. are, I've had multiple things that they've told me is wrong with me that is not wrong with me and I go get them fixed. So this doctor, once I'm healed up, is actually going to look at the rest of my back because my lower back's jacked up too. Um, Which you've been told, you too young. Yeah, I was told I was too young. The doctor was not a very good doctor. Um, but anyway, we're back. Um, it's good to be back. The This is the Bigfoot King of the Forest podcast. I know I probably said that before, but we've been talking <laughs> about other things right now. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Podtail, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, and our website, BigfootKingOfTheForest.com. Um, we also have, if you want to support the show, we're going to have a Patreon Live pretty soon, but... More than that, we have a, a web store at the website, and you can find all kinds of goodies like T-shirts that we've designed, um, Bigfoot lunch boxes, action, action figures, figures, all soap. kinds of stuff. So yeah, head on over there. Um, we're doing a little Black Friday special right now because that weekend, but that'll be done by the time this comes out. Yeah. Um, well, we'll do another one. We'll in do another December, sell like a Christmas cl- one. Cl- a couple weeks before Christmas, when uh, we know we still got time to ship stuff out. But yeah, so let's get into some news. News. It's been a couple weeks, so we got a few things here. I know you've heard, probably all heard about this, but it is one of the. Uh, I know people are saying you know you shouldn't be happy at other people's um, misery, but this uh, missionary John Ellen Chow. Oh yeah. Um, journeyed into India earlier this month, posing as a tourist, and he went to visit this tribe of people there wanting to show to provide them with the teach the word of god like he left a letter he wanted to teach them about jesus which is weird to me because like the whole thing in the bible is like if people don't know about jesus they've never been exposed to jesus then they're not going to go to hell because they just don't know so why would you go into areas to talk to people about jesus Mm-hmm. When it's better for them to not know. Yeah. Anyway, this dude goes into this freaking. Um, I'm trying to think of what the name of the uh, the tribe was, but it was on it was a North Sentinel Island. It's isolated tribe, and they shot him the fuck up mm-hmm. with arrows. That dude is dead. Yeah. Um, people are kind of some people are in an uproar because he shouldn't have done that. Other people, myself included, are like. You get what you ask for in a situation like that. Um, if these guys were in Florida, they could just claim stand your ground. So, True. you know, not even sorry. I feel bad for his family. Mm-hmm. But don't be going into people's homes and try to... No. And this goes out to all you, anybody out there, don't knock on my door. I'm not going to shoot you with an arrow, but I'm going to light you the fuck up. Um... Anyway, that's that's a I love it. I just love it. <laughs> Another news. Once it loads. So a god of chaos star is exploding and it could bombard the earth with gamma rays. This is from Mysterious Universe. I'll post all these links under the So gamma rays like Hulk? Yeah, we're all gonna become the incredible Hulk. So what's scarier than a star in our own Milky Way galaxy exploding? How about if that explosion is predicted to be one of the most energetic events in the universe? 
How about if that star happens to be named after Apep, the ancient Egyptian god of chaos and the opponent of light? How about if that explosion is capable of blasting Earth with a massive dose of high-energy gamma rays, the same type of radiation which turned Bruce Banner to the Incredible Hulk? That do it for you? So the gamma ray blast isn't actually probable, but it's possible. Um, the star is about 8,000 light years away in the Milky Way. And that got, APEP God of Chaos star is on the brink of a supernova right now. And if that happens, it could fuck some shit up yeah. in the universe. Whoa. <laughs> um, it's currently spinning so fast that it's on the verge of ripping itself apart. The rapid rotation puts APEP in a whole new class, says Benjamin Pope of New York University. Normal supernova are already extreme events, that, but ro- adding rotation to the mix can really throw gasoline on the fire. Of course, on the verge, in astronomical terms, means this could occur any time in the next 100,000 years. <clears throat> Still pretty crazy, though. There is a do- We don't talk about dogmen very much on this no, show. No, but Expanded um, expand, Perspectives... Expanded Perspectives about. talks a lot about the, the dogmen encounters and stuff like that. Um, and there's a lot of them in that book that I read, The American Monsters by Linda Godfrey. She's big on the dogmen stuff. But apparently there's been a dogman encounter in Colorado. So... This is from Cryptozoology, Cryptozoology News. A man in Colorado claims he saw a creature that looked like a mix between a human and a dog. The man whose name was not provided said on MUFON that he was driving home from work after picking up his dog when he encountered a strange being in October. He explains that he noticed the dog getting anxious, so he pulled over to let her out. She wouldn't do her business. She started barking. At first, I thought she was barking at the traffic, but there was no traffic, the Boulder, Colorado man said in the alleged, of the alleged encounter. That's when he says that he noticed five lights hovering in the distance. I quickly put the dog in the car and went to investigate, he added. The lights rose higher, and they got smaller and zigzagged. Then, he continues, they vanished. When he got back to his car, his dog was terrified. I tried comforting her, and that's when I noticed something moving in the corner of my eye. I looked up and saw something running behind my car through the taillights. The man describes the creature as having red fur and a tail, but he adds it also had a human face. That's a little weird. I feel like we've talked about this one before. Uh-huh. Either way, you don't really see... When you hear about dogmen, it's usually like they have the face of a wolf and yeah. the body of a man. Mm-hmm. This kind of seems the opposite. Um, but the man has had a few nightmares after that. Dogmen encounter in Colorado. They're pretty... They're pretty, they're pretty um, up in Michigan, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, stuff like that. You don't hear, really hear about a lot of them down in Colorado and stuff like that. So I thought that was pretty interesting. In other news, also from crypto, Cryptozoology News, they have had a pterodactyl sighting in Wisconsin. Ooh. Nice. A Wisconsin man claims he saw an unidentified creature he believed looked like a pterodactyl. Huh. I think I remember seeing that. The announcement man said he, was, his, he and his father were driving home last August at about 2 p.m. when they came upon the creature. We had dropped my mom at some place she would be for a week. 30 minutes into the five-hour drive, I saw a weird flying thing in the sky, he wrote. The eyewitness says the animal was approximately six feet tall and had skin instead of feathers on its wings. Like a bat, he said. It looked like a pterodactyl or some kind of angel. Angel? Pterodactyl or angel. They're close. Uh, yeah. They're close. <laughs> he added that he wasn't able to gather video evidence, but that there could be other eyewitnesses. Of course he could. Last month, a Texas man said he had also seen a dinosaur bird. So... Pterodactyl sightings, um, a lot of Thunderbird sightings in Wisconsin and stuff like that. You don't really hear about pterodactyls tend to happen more down in the Texas area, um, so that's kind of interesting. A couple more here, one more. 
from didyouknowfacts.com. Did you know facts? That's the name of the website, didyouknowfacts.com. There's a woman, 61-year-old Chloe Jennings White of Salt Lake City, Utah. She's a chemist. She's perfectly healthy, but she identifies as transabled and prefers to live her life in a wheelchair. Oh, I remember you telling me this now. The official name for the condition is Body Integrity Identity Disorder. That sounds made up. But apparently this is a thing, and there are people out there that are becoming quote-unquote disabled on purpose and calling themselves transabled. <laughs> Jenny's white wears legs braces to give herself a paraplegic feel and claims that she dreamed of it this since she was a child. When she was only nine years old, Jenny's white rode her bicycle off the stage that she had set up in the park and the sole intention of breaking her back and becoming paralyzed. It didn't work, and then she realized that she could have been paralyzed from the neck down, which was not her intent. So she wants to be paralyzed, but only to the degree in which she feels that she wants to be paralyzed. Like, I have a lot of issues with this. Um, people, some people are, you know, talking about this like the, uh, the trans... What was it? Not, I'm not, not transgendered. That's, I'm cool with that. I'm talking about the trans... Um, what was that? Oh, the age or whatever. No, no, no. The one that well, that there was that guy that you know said he was sixty, but he felt like a forty-year-old. Yeah. Um, this one was the the woman that identified as black. Oh, Remember that lady? Yeah. To me, this is really jacked up. The idea that you're a perfectly able person and you're trying to act like you're disabled to get whatever benefits you think they have. Yeah. Like, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. You know? Jennings, Miss Jennings White, you are a horrible human being. Mm -hmm. That's all there is to it. Um, I don't know why you would wish that on yourself or anybody. There's like a woman here that's blind, but she's not blind. But she, she walks around. To be blind. She walks around with her eyes closed. Has you know has the, the cane and everything. This is so disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, there are people that are actually out there that are living life a, a difficult life and doing the best they can, and your dumb ass is out there mm-hmm. just Choosing faking the funk. To, yeah. And I just it just makes me so angry. Um, that's it for news. We got a couple of good things coming to you. Um, as always, we'll have Sarah start. <laughs> okay. Oh, sigh. Okay, so trying to think of something this week. Like, I don't know why it was so difficult for me. But I finally came across a topic. I already told Jeff what I found. Um, but I kind of wanted to do... Jeff and I are both of Nordic descent, so... Jeff is Swedish, I'm Norwegian, so we kind of, um, that heritage, I kind of wanted to look up, like, Nordic cryptids, but I really wasn't finding anything, um, but while doing that, I came up, and I found, um, a website, an article on Listverse, I like Listverse, it's just kind of like BuzzFeed, it's just a bunch of lists and everything, but... This one is the top 10 cryptids that turned out to be real. So we thought they were cryptids, but they weren't cryptids. So thinking of, Jeff, have you ever had anything that you thought for, that you thought was a cryptid that turned out to be real? Um, 
I've mentioned mine before. Yeah. I always thought the platypus was fake. <laughs> mine was the narwhal. Yeah. I don't know why the narwhal to me just seems how how could that even be how do they swim with that huge horn? So I just find it funny. So the narwhal, the monodon monoceros monoceros is a medium-sized toothed whale that possesses a large tusk from a protruding canine tooth. So it's their canine tooth. It lives year-round in the Arctic waters around Greenland, Canada, and Russia, and is one of two living species of whale in the monodontai family, along with the beluga whale. I was like, it doesn't even look like a beluga whale, but it's in the same family. But the... Narwhal did not even show up on my list of the top really? ten. No. And that's what I found that very interesting, because that's the one that I think of the most often is the narwhal. But, so, this um, article on Listverse, the top ten cryptids that turned out to be real, for the most part, they said for the sake of consistency, animals falsely thought to be extinct were excluded. So they didn't include those because people are just like, they're extinct. So were they ever real? You know, that kind of thing. But some famous cryptids, which we all know, are Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and El Chupacabra, and they're all surrounded in mystery. So someday we they may join the list because it'll turn out they're real. So number 10 is the Devil Bird. Never heard of the Devil Bird. Mm-mm. The nev- Devil Bird or Ulama is a frightening horned bird of Sri Lankan folklore. This elusive creature is rarely rarely seen, but it is often heard in the form of its infamous blood-curdling screams. Its cries are said to resemble a wailing woman and are perceived by locals as an omen of death. For centuries, the nocturnal cries of the devil bird were the only evidence of of its existence. Western science wrote it off as mere superstition. Then in 2001, the devil bird was identified as a new species of owl, the spot-bellied eagle owl, Bubo nubilescens, the largest of all Sri Lankan owls. The Bubo nubilescens matches the description of the Ulama perfectly, down to its characteristic screech and its tufted horns. It has furry horns. Although, well, it looks like furry horns because of the fur on its forehead. Mm-hmm. Although some debates... Still remains as to the true identity of the devil bird. The spot-bellied eagle owl stands as the most compelling source of inspiration for this mysterious creature. So number nine is the Ziphius, Z-I-P-H-I-U-S. In medieval folklore, the Ziphius, or water owl, was a monstrous nautical creature said to attack ships in the northern seas. It possessed the body of a fish and the head of an owl, complete with massive eyes and wedge-shaped beak. Xiphius means sword, sword-like in Latin, and it may refer to the beast fin, which was said to pierce the hulls of ships like a sword. Today, the inspiration for the Xiphius is known as Colvier's Beaked Whale, a widespread species of beef of beaked whale also known as the goose beaked whale this creature is found as far north as the shetland islands and as far south as tierra del fuego at the tip of south america i want to go around tierra del fuego Mm -hmm. that is like 
ultimate like bucket list item is yeah. I want to go around the Horn of South America. You know, I was I tried to win us a trip. It was a to Fiji. No, oh no, that was the Antarctica one. There was a two week trip to Antarctica for two. It was like eighty thousand dollars, but Cards Against Humanity had their Black Friday sale yesterday, which was amazing, and they had. It was like eight hundred bucks because everything was ninety nine percent off, and I tried to get it but I couldn't. So eighty thousand dollars for that? Yeah. Well, that's what I say. Bucket list is there's like a twenty one day cruise that like leaves Miami, and then it goes along all these docks, all these ports, mm-hmm. all around South America, and then in Tierra del Fuego you can actually get a charter then to go to Antarctica. It's not part of the cruise. You it would be your shore excursion. Yeah. And that's all depends on the weather, but I'm like that is so much of a bucket list. Yep. I want to do that. Okay. So number 8 is the Bondegezu B O N D E G E Z O U. Okay. Bondegezu. The Bandagezu, man of the forest, is a legendary ancestral spirit of the Mani people in western Indonesia. Described as a t- tree-dwelling creature, the Bandazegu resembles a small man covered in black and white fur. It is said to be a tree climber, but often stands on the ground in a bipedal stance. In 1980s, a photograph of the Bandazegu was sent to Australian research research scientist Tim Flannery, who initially identified the creature as a young tree kangaroo. But in May 1994, Flannery conducted a wildlife survey of the area and discovered that the animal in the picture was new to science. Nobody had ever seen it before. The Dingiso, Dengronglis Mabaso, as the creature is also known, is a forest-dwelling marsupial with bold coloration that spends most of its time on the ground. The Dingiso remains a rare sight. The first real evidence of the creature was only skins, and to this day, no dingoso exist in captivity. So he really is Bigfoot. He's just like Bigfoot. So, number seven, I read this one to you earlier, was the kangaroo. Yep. So, reading this, the first par- this paragraph I'm about to read you, I was like reading it, and I was like, holy crap, that completely makes sense. So, early explorers to Australia described bizarre creatures never before seen by Europeans. They wrote of creatures with heads like deer that stood upright like men, but hopped like frogs. The creatures sometimes sported two heads, one on their shoulders and one on their stomach. Such accounts were understandably disregarded and ridiculed by their fellow colleagues. Could you imagine seeing a kangaroo for the first time? Oh, God, yeah. Like... No one had ever... They hadn't been to Australia. Like, Australia was the Aborigines. Like, the people there were Europeans that came and inhabited and never had before seen a kangaroo. That changed in the 1770s when a dead specimen of this odd beast was exhibited in England as a public curiosity. Today, this creature is known as the kangaroo, a widespread marsupial endemic to Australia. Well known for their leaping abilities and female pouch for carrying their young, kangaroos are a nationally recognized icon of Australia. Four species of kangaroo exist. The red kangaroo, the western gray kangaroo, Marcupus gigantus, and the western gray kangaroo, Micropus fugulensis. Okay. And the antilopine kangaroo. 
Okay. So number six is the one you said, the platypus. I still am not convinced they exist. I've never seen one up close. Never seen one in person? Never seen one in person. When European naturalists first encountered this bizarre creature, they were understandably baffled. Accounts described it as a venomous egg-laying mammal with a duck bill and a beaver tail. They're venomous. Venomous. But it, this is funny. They look like a bad Photoshop job. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. True. I do not believe they exist. I've never seen one. What did What did I call it when I in my project for school? Oh, the um, the armadillo. Um, no, but I started off with a. Yeah, I know. With a prairie dog. With. <laughs> I know. I can't remember now. Very similar to the platypus. Prairie Dillo or something? <laughs> Many prominent British scientists deemed it as a hoax when they were presented with a sketch and a pelt in 1798. Even when offered a corpse, scholars sus- suspected that it was an elaborate, sewn-together fraud. Today, this bizarre but fascinating creature is known as the platypus, one of only five extant monotremes, egg-laying mammals. While formally recognized by science, it is no less unique today. This semi-aquatic creature... Native to eastern Australia, swims with webbed feet, uses electrolocation to hunt, and possesses an ankle spur that in males can deliver a powerful injection of venom. Mm-hmm. While non-lethal to humans, this venom is excruciatingly painful and is not responsive to most painkillers. So, another creature of Australia that, you know. So, number five. Australia's going to fuck you up. Oh, yeah. The spiders, the jellyfish. Yeah, platypi. Man of wars. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Okay. So, do you remember back in one of our very first podcasts that we were talking about the giant eel? Mm-hmm. Okay, number five is the sea serpent. Okay. For centuries... Is there a picture? Yeah. It's I'll huge. Come over. Come over. You read. For centuries, the sea serpent persisted as the most captivating cryptozoological mystery in the world. Sightings of this mysterious and often frightening creature have occurred plentiful throughout history, even up until the early 20th century. From northern European waters to the eastern North American coast, tales of serpentine aquatic beasts of colossal proportions dot the globe. Their descriptions vary, ranging from horse-headed creatures to massive snakes. So it says, so the eastern North American coast. Wasn't this off, like, Massachusetts or whatever, the one that um, Mm -hmm. they found? I think so. so. Cryptozoologists speculate that various misidentified Animals can account for sea serpent sightings. However, one elusive species is a particularly likely source for many of these accounts. The oarfish, or ribbonfish, is a massive elongated fish found worldwide. It is the longest of all bony fish, the largest recorded being 56 feet in length. Oarfish typically dwell in the deep ocean, but are occasionally washed ashore in storms and linger at the surface near death. A live oarfish was filmed for the first time in 2001, demonstrating its rarity and reclusive nature. Number four, the Komodo dragon. Yeah, I remember that. By the early 20th century, Western science had determined that giant lizards were nothing more than a relic of prehistoric past. Thus, when pearl fishermen returned from the lesser Sunda Islands in Indonesia with tales of monstrous land crocodiles, their accounts were met with overwhelming skepticism. An expedition from the Butenzorg Zoological Museum in Java produced a report of the creatures, but the legendary dragons of Komodo faded into obscurity as World War I took precedence. 
Then in 1926, an expedition from the American Museum of Natural History confirmed that the tales of giant lizards were true. W. Douglas Burden, the leader of the expedition, returned with 12 preserved specimens and two live ones. The world was introduced to the Komodo dragon, a massive monitored lizard that grows up to 10 feet, making it the largest lizard in the world. I cannot imagine a lizard that big. It'd be kind of cool to see. Like, if you think 10 feet, you're like, holy shit. It's a fucking dinosaur. Oh, I know. Yeah, but that's, I just can't. Komodo dragons possess massive claws and fangs with which they can kill almost any creature on the island, including humans and water buffalo. One particularly bizarre attribute of these creatures is their venomous bite, which has been attributed to bacteria-laden saliva or venom glands in the mouth. The... Actually, yeah, that's what I was going to say is that they're not actually venomous, but their mouths are full of nasty bacteria. The bacteria. And that's what gets you. Mm-hmm. The 1926 expedition to Komodo served as the inspiration for King Kong, in which a similar expedition to a foreign island reveals prehistoric megafauna. I didn't know that. Okay, so number three is the mountain gorilla. Yeah. For centuries, tales of large ape men in East Africa have captivated explorers and natives alike. Numerous tribes have legends of massive hairy creatures that would kidnap and eat humans, overpowering them with their ferocity and strength. The creatures go by many names, among them Nigla, Nagi, and Ingena. In the 16th century, English explorer Andrew Battelle spoke of man-like apes that would visit the campfire at night, and in 1860, explorer Du Chalu wrote of violent, bloodthirsty forest monsters. Up until the 20th century, many of these tales were ignored or discounted. Then in 1902, German officer oops, Robert, German officer Captain Robert von Bering, shot one of these man-apes in the Virunga region of Rwanda. Bringing it back to Europe with him, he introduced the world to a new species of ape, the mountain gorilla. Today, mountain gorillas are known to be communal, largely docile herbivores that live in the Virunga Mountains in Central Africa and in Buindi National Park in Uganda. Mountain gorillas are threatened by poaching and civil unrest, elusive and often unseen in their activities. No more, no more than 400 remain in the wild today. One of the earliest written accounts of the gorillas may come from Hanno, the navigator, a Carthaginian explorer who documented his travels along the African coast in 500 BC. Hanno describes a tribe of gorilla, roughly meaning hairy people. Hairy people. It is unknown whether Hanno referred to gorillas, another species of ape, or humans. Nevertheless, his description served as the inspiration for the modern, modern name gorilla. What are you looking at? Number two, the okapi. The okapis look so funny. Mm -hmm. Zebra legs and... Central African tribes and ancient Egyptians described and depicted a bizarre creature for centuries. Colloquially? How do you say that? Colloquially? Yeah, colloquially. Dubbed the African unicorn by Europeans. It is known locally by such names as the ati or the oapi, resembling a cross between a zebra, a donkey, and a giraffe. Isn't the African unicorn? Oh, African unicorn. I was thinking, I was thinking giraffe. Sorry. <laughs> like, isn't the African giraffe a giraffe? <laughs> a cross between a zebra, a donkey, and a giraffe. Dis despite descriptions from explorers and even skins, Western science rejected the 
existence of such a creature, viewing it as nothing more than a fantastical chimera of real animals. Chimera. Chimera. Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) I know that. Once you said that, I was like, okay, yeah. Determined expeditions uncovered nothing, and it would seem the African unicorn was just as mythical as its namesake. This unchanged in 19... This changed in 1901 when Sir Harry Johnston, the British governor of Uganda, obtained pieces of striped skin and even a skull of the legendary beast. Through this evidence and the eventual capture capture of a live specimen, the animal known as the okapi was recognized by mainstream science. The okapi is no less unusual today. It is the only living relative of the giraffe, sharing a similar body structure and its characteristic long blue tongue. However, the markings on its back legs resemble that of a zebra's stripes. Okapis are solitary creatures that remain captivating to scientists. Although not endangered, there is still much to learn about their habits and their lifestyle. The okapi was the symbol of the now-defunct International Society of Cryptozoology and remains a persisting icon of cryptozoology to this day. So then number one is the giant squid. Yeah. I'm going to find some kraken. Kraken. We're going to get kraken with some kraken. (laughs) Tales of enormous squids have circulated throughout the world since ancient times. Aristotle and Pliny the Elder, Pliny the Elder, both described such monsters. Legends such as the Lusca, Scylla, and the Sea Monk all describe a bizarre, often dangerous nautical creature. Perhaps the most famous legendary squid is the Norse kraken. A monstrous tentacled beast as large as an island that devoured ships whole. Prior to the 1870s, scientific opinion held such creatures as nothing more than the ridiculous myths, on par with mermaids or sea serpents. Despite this, investigations into the existence of the legendary kraken took place as early as the 1840s. Danish zoologist Johan Strinso, mythological? Methodically. Methodology? Yeah. Researched and cataloged giant squid sightings. Methodically. Methodically. I was trying to figure out what you were trying to say. Okay. So, methodically researched and cataloged giant squid sightings and strandings, eventually examining a beached corpse and designating the beast's scientific name Archituthis. Even so, fellow scientists remained skeptical and continued to dismiss accounts. In the 1870s, the skepticism stopped as several carcasses were beached in Labrador and Newfoundland. Tentacles and complete corpses revealed to the scientific world that the giant squid was indeed real. Today, this creature remains just as mysterious and rare, typically living at great depths. Giant squid sightings are uncommon, and often undocumented. For a century, scientists dutifully attempted to observe it in its natural habitat, but failed. Only in 2004 were a group of Japanese scientists able to capture a live giant squid on camera, taking 500 automatic photographs before the creature swam back into the blackness. Many questions remain concerning the giant squid. Very little is known, but it's about its habits and its lifestyle, and it is still unknown how large a giant squid can grow. The largest specimens are between 340 feet long, weighing over 100 pounds. However, its close relative, the colossal squid, 
may grow to much greater sizes as evidenced by the size of sucker marks on sperm whales. To this day, the giant squid remains a legendary example of how fantastic animals on Earth can be. So then they have one on here that's just kind of like extra credit. It's the great panda. Yeah. So the existence of the great panda has never been disputed by scientific community. Therefore, it has never been truly encrypted. However, its story offers a valuable lesson to believers and skeptics alike on the merits of cryptozoological research. The giant panda became known to Western science in 1869 when a dead specimen was presented to French naturalist Pierre Armand David, David probably. In the following years, museums eagerly sent off expeditions to obtain pandas for their exhibits. However, an anthropologist, George Agogino, writes from 1869 until 1929, a period of 60 years, a dozen well-staffed and well-equipped professional zoological collecting teams unsuccessfully sought an animal the size of a small bear in a restricted area. The giant panda lives in the same general area at the same general elevation as the Yeti, yet this animal has remained hidden for over 60 years. In 1929, Theodore and Kermit Roosevelt finally killed a giant panda after six decades of illusion and fruitless searching. This historic episode of zoology should send a strong message that nature still has many mysteries to yield and that our efforts to uncover them can be daunting but worthwhile task. And that's why we continue looking for Bigfoot. That's right. That's right. That's why we don't give up hope. He's. We will hope forever. Mm-hmm. Hope beyond hope. <laughs> I'm going to see if Bacon will be okay in here. She's whining. Come on, baby girl. Bacon dough. <laughs> Go lay down, Bacon. Speaking of cryptozoological creatures. Bacon? Yeah. Fat wieners. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try to get through this. I've got my little section here. Um, I am a Percocet, a muscle relaxer. And a beer. And a Moscow Mule in right now, so I'm going to do my best. I'm feeling a little happy, but much needed. Sir. You know I've always wanted to start a cult, right? <laughs> okay. Sure, honey. Much like the guy that started Scientology. I can't remember his name right now. Um, it's a good money-making scheme, I think. And I think that we can get people behind us. So I put out to the internets, the, the Twitters, one day, a little tweet, and I said, thinking about starting a cult. The Squatch Cult. The Noble Order of the Bigfoot. Who's coming with me? He had a few responses and stuff like that. And put it on Facebook. And I think Keegan said he's down as long as we change the name to the Noble Order of Bigfoot. Instead of what I had something else speaking with. But we did that. Um, turns out, though, there actually are a few Sasquatch cults already. Why wouldn't there be? I mean, why wouldn't there be? So, are there people who worship Bigfoot? And if so, are there any Sasquatch cults? That was the question. I only took a few minutes after that tweet got in to get inundated with direct messages that I was too late to the party. And yes, there are indeed people who worship our hairy hominid friend. (laughs) 
Some of these cults are fun. Some are obviously satire. Some are right out weird and a bit creepy. Most are just simply not well thought out. There's a few. It's just a couple of friends got together and... Drunk on the internet. Um, or maybe the people lost their passion pretty damn quick. I would probably fall into that group if I started cult. Lose the passion? Yeah, I just lose the passion. I tend to do that with projects. This is probably one of the first times I've gone 16, 17 episodes deep into something. I'm just going to keep going. But Well, if you think about that, so 16 episodes. We've been doing this for like four months now. Yeah. You just lose interest over time. Mm-hmm. And this thing isn't cheap. It costs money. It's not expensive, but... So I'm going to talk about three of the ones that I found that I found more interesting ones. Okay. So, Incaduism and the Divine Nature of Sasquatch. What was that again? Incadu? Incaduism. And I'll post links to all this stuff. Okay. Um, this was actually started by one Gawain McGregor. It's, it's an Irish name. Mm-hmm. G-A-W-A-I-N. Gawain. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. Um... He states, I have a passion for nature. I travel the country hiking, camping, hunting, fishing. I believe in the divine nature of Sasquatch and practice Enkiduism. So McGregor claims to be a follower of Enkiduism, a religion based on the worship of Enkidu. Not surprisingly, McGregor runs the official Enkiduism website, which has no doubt seen a huge boost in clicks this week. This I, I pulled this off of a little article about it from, I think, Mysterious Universe. Yeah, Mysterious Universe. Um, the website even features a recipe for gingerbread green men. <laughs> and McGregor claims must be, con- McGregor, and McGregor claims these gingerbread green men must be consumed as part of his religion. As an Enkiduist, I consume an effigy of Enkidu to strengthen my spiritual connection with nature. The symbolic consumption also brings me closer to his martyrdom, the sacrifice that brought Gilgamesh's and now my humanity into balance. So, from the Enkidu official website, enkiduism.blogspot.com. I'll post a link. As a practitioner of Enkiduism, the foremost sacrament I practice is the wearing of hair-covered animal skins and wandering in the forest the same way as Gilgamesh honored him thousands of years ago. While this may seem unusual, the practice actually dates back to long before Gilgamesh, as images of shaman dressed as animals appear as far back as Neolithic paintings in France's Trois-Fray Cave, even today, there are hundreds of shamanistic traditions around the world that involve dressing in a similar way. I know a few freaking Wiccans that like to wear horns and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, to join this ancient lineage and do honor I could do, I sewed animal hides together, fabricating my own ritual garments. Um, I'm also going to post a thing to the Inkadu, um PDF, which talks all about it. But I thought I would, real quick, like... Let me find... Shadow, you need to lay down. Shadow, lay down. Lay down. So, the Mysterious Universe article is Wandering Shaman Claims Responsibility for North, North Carolina Bigfoot Sightings. For some reason, the Carolinas have become a hot spot for crypto weirdness in the recent weeks. This was from August 12th of 2017. 
It all started when a Bigfoot investigation crew called themselves Bigfoot 911 reported a sighting in McDowell County, North Carolina, which went viral enough for the South Carolina police to remind citizens not to shoot any man-shaped creatures they might come across in the woods. Not to be outdone, El Chupacargo then popped up on South Carolina Golf Course. After which South Carolina police issued another warning, this time about lizardmen during the oncoming eclipse. Lizardmen? Seems Bigfoot brings out all the crazy and the cryptos and droves. So you can actually see a picture of this guy if you want to in his getup. Come check this out real quick. This is a... Oh, dear. That's his costume there. His Gilgamesh's... Gilgamesh-ish. So, and that's when this one gets a little weird. That's the line. I mean, any Bigfoot sighting has the potential to be pretty weird on its own, but the alleged culprit behind the sighting just took this story into a much stranger territory. It turns out Minnesota resident Gawain McGregor claims he was behind the sightings of western North Carolina, reporting that he was wandering around the woods covered in animal fur for during the time the sightings took place. McGregor says that he has done this regularly, recreating the creation of Enkidu from the Epic of Gilmish every year by donning a fur suit and trudging around the woods. Don't worry, it gets weirder. Oh my god, that's so freaky looking. McGregor claims... Okay, I read all this part where he's a part of Enkiduism and stuff like that. So, there's one little cult. Seems to be a cult of one. But there could be other people. He's got his whole website. I'm putting his links out. If y'all want to join um, Godwin McGregor in his Enkiduism, I'm going to make sure that can happen for you. And it's pretty great. Next on the list, my favorite. (laughs) The Holy Order of the Sasquatch. Is this like the Holy Order of the Dancing Fruit? That was my thing. Just saying. I know. That was going to be my religion. So, side note. My idea for... What's that? I was like, tell us. My idea for a religion is that we have fruit. And we keep that fruit sometimes in the refrigerator. And you close that door and it gets dark and no one can see inside the refrigerator. So you don't know what that fruit does. So we believe that when you close that refrigerator door, the fruit get up and dance. And that's why they get bruised and they get roughed up a little bit in the fridge. And you're always like, well, how did this happen? It's because them fruit are dancing and they deserve our respect and our worship. So... Along those lines, that's why when we were we were at Andre and Jeremy's, how their fridge takes the pictures. Mm-hmm. That's why I was sitting there along the lines. I was like, "That's why it's not video." Because mm-hmm. the fruit don't want us to know. That's right. That's why it's a. They've got a little thing with the uh, refrigeration creation companies like mm-hmm. Samsung. Yep. That way, nobody knows. No live video in there. They're just. So anyway, this is by far. The website is saintbigfoot.com. Saint? Saint. Saint. The Holy Order of the Sasquatch. By far the most fun of the cults I'm going to talk today. The Order of the Sacred Knighthood of Creative Warriors Who Make and Do Cool Things, a DIY spirituality that exalts the imagination and battles the forces of incorrection in order to make the world a better place. You can believe whatever you want... Become your imaginary self and save the planet. (laughs) So, welcome to the Holy Order of the Sasquatch. If you can imagine it, you can believe it. 
If you think you saw something, you did. If you think you know something, you do. You may be an, already be a follower of the Holy Order of the Sasquatch and not even know it. If you believe anything that you've imagined, you are already practicing this religion. So much like Judaism, where if your mom's a Jewish, you're automatically Jewish. Wow. You're already a member of this religion, religious cult. Um, they even have epistles. Um, there's going to be eight epistles. There's currently three available, and the fourth one will be available soon. And I've actually downloaded them for our pleasure. So, you can become a knight of the Holy Order of Sasquatch and save the planet. When you recite the sacred oath of the order, you become a knight sworn to uphold the value of human, human imagination through veneration of Saint Bigfoot. <laughs> Pro tip. Knights of the Holy Order of the Sasquatch are entitled to the pre-nominal style Sir or Dame and the post-nominal letters KHS or Sir Herbert Carey KHS. Noble Knight of the Holy... What does HS mean? Um, I guess Holy Order of Sasquatch, Knight KHS. You can join the Bigfoot cult that rocks. So, who is St. Bigfoot? St. Bigfoot is the patron of the order and your new imaginary friend. Mm -hmm. A figment of incredible power. Always cherish your figments. No one can have them but you. Your figments lead to wild hypotheses that enrich your perception and make you a holy creator of your reality. The holy Sasquatch comes in multiple forms. St. Bigfoot the Imaginary is an interdimensional being. He both exists and doesn't. He represents the infinite possible of your imagination, whereas St. Bigfoot, the all-seeing, represents the holy inspiration of creative thought. He drives out the scourge of the scourge of incorrection. The earth may be doomed, and the holy order of Sasquatch can save it. <laughs> we only have one earth, unless you know of another. <laughs> but the world we know is it is only a suggestion. Dystopias are fun to read, but they make for lousy neighborhoods. This will never be a better place unless you imagine it to be. Let a thought bubble be your halo. <laughs> Remember, you are holy, and you ought to be. Whenever you imagine something, the more outlandish, the better. You venerate Saint Bigfoot the Imaginary. Each figment of your imagination makes the world a more wondrous place. Cherish your figments. Wow. There's the all-seeing foot. The all-seeing foot not only sees what is but also what isn't and what could be. It is the mind's eye of a knight of the order, the holy inspiration of St. Bigfoot of the All-Seeing. With the power of the All-Seeing Foot, there are no limits. The universe is your hamburger, and you can order anything you want on it. <laughs> Danger. Beware the Baphomac. Do not be deceived. The Baphomac is not St. Bigfoot the All-Seeing. It is the evil opposite. Instead of the inspiration of creative thought, he represents the temptation of incorrection. To wield Occam's razor and arrive at the most basic assumptions, the Baphomac urges you to disregard your figments and wild hypotheses, to forego the infinite possible of your imagination and order up a plain old hamburger in its place. <laughs> what is incorrection? Incorrection is what figment or wild hypotheses is rejected due to a failure of the imagination. Occam's razor has grown dull. 
William of Ockham created the ultimate tool of incorrection, a blade that slices away the infinite possible and leaves only the dullest possible conclusions. Throw it away. Now is the time to grow a beard of wild hypotheses. <laughs> so, so, okay, so, so this is... Is it a scientific cult? Um, it's all about imagination. It's all about... But it's basically anything you believe form of hypotheses. Yeah, and anything you believe is real. Is the infinite possible really real? There are proverbs of the Saint Bigfoot. Did you know that? Be your imaginary self. If you imagine yourself to be healthier, become healthier. If you imagine yourself to be a winged bear with a star for a heart, become that. A planet covered with trees is just as likely as a planet covered with hair. Three. Whenever a Sasquatch opens an interdimensional doorway, it makes the same sound as a starling calling its mate. Did you hear one? That was probably us. Interdimensional Sasquatch. Uh Number four, take care of your circulatory system. Number five, it's high time the occult got an upgrade. Turn the periodic table into a Ouija board. Get ready for occult 2.0. Number six, like fairies, happiness... And egalitarianism, St. Bigfoot only exists if you imagine he exists. Seven. So you have to believe in mm-hmm. him. Man was made from mud and woman from his rib. And Sasquatch from the hairs of the sink after you shave. <clears throat> oh my god. Number eight. There is wonder and joy in the world, even still. So, like I said, that there are all kinds of these. Um, there's three epistles currently. Um, you can buy these epistles on their Etsy site and you can even become a knight and guess what you did I am a knight of the holy order of the Sasquatch as of today oh dear my stuff will be coming in the mail within two weeks I paid my $11.72 so that's what you did earlier and you told me you were going to tell me tonight that's what I bought and so I'm going to learn all the epistles and the beauty thing is is they've even got a uh Oh, let me find it here. You get t-shirts. So, on their Etsy page, it's a beautiful thing. So, Canada, it's $14.99. I paid $11. Um, you can even for download a free thing that if proselytizers come to your door, you don't have to shoot them with arrows. Sometimes it may be advantageous to be charged them $500 an hour for your time. Mm-hmm. So you can post this, like, sign on your door. And it says, Hello, welcome to my home. So you'd like to speak with me about your religious belief. That is wonderful. I look forward to our conversation about your three Ds, deity, dogma, and doctrine. Before we begin, however, it is my duty to inform you of my rates. I, here and referred to as the listener, will charge you the sum of $500 per hour or part thereof for any conversations, discussions, consultations with any party, here and referred to as the proselytizer, of religious or spiritual nature, including but not limited to the following subjects, gods, goddesses, includes but not limited to any of the own one true gods, angels, spirits, other metaphysical beings, messiahs, saviors, divine messengers, prophets, prophecies, predictions, eschatological beliefs, eternal life, the afterlife, and the nature of the immortal soul, sins and divine commandments, edicts, tenets, writings, scriptures, literature that may be described as sacred, holy, or of divine inspiration, etc. So you post that on your thing, then you have to charge them $500 an hour for your time. 
this is by far my wow. favorite. I follow them on Twitter. They have a they have a LinkedIn uh, Instagram account. Um, remember when I posted a couple weeks ago? I posted the the Rainbow Bigfoot, mm-hmm. no big, big Bigfoot, not bigotry. They're the ones that put that out. So I am a proud Judas Priest and Knight of the Holy Order of Sasquatch. Okay. <laughs> you must be just so proud to be with me. Yeah, honey. You're so philosophically diverse. I am. I am. I am. I even get a card so I can show people. It's pretty exciting. But yeah, I'll put a post of links to all this stuff. It's pretty great. Um, finally, it's time to get a little weird. That wasn't weird enough. I'm like, those weren't weird? Um, there is a true Bigfoot cult out there. And they're about as serious as you can be about a real or possibly fake creature in the woods. They're the Sasquatch people. So this is the one that our friend Sassy Squatch Girl told you about. Told me about. Um, she she messaged me directly. I had a few people messaged me over this, but she's the one that messaged me and said, "Hey, there's a really weird thing out there." Um, since you're talking about cults, so let's start with the dude. From his own Facebook the page. The dude? It's a couple people. But no, you said the dude. Not, 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 not like the cool dude. Not like the dude. Not like the Big Lebowski. Just this dude. Okay. Um, Bigfoot from, dude? Sasquatch people dude, yeah. From his Facebook page. Kawani Lopsaritis, A-S-B-A-M-S is a holistic health consultant, master herbalist, and master dowser with a background in anthropology, psychology, conservation, and holistic health. Because of course he is. Mm-hmm. He is also an author, lecturer, presenter, researcher, radio and TV guest, film consultant, and world authority uh, world authority on the Sasquatch phenomenon. Now, I've been around the Sasquatch community a while. I think the only person calling Mr. Kiwani Lasperitis a An expert authority in the Sasquatch phenomenon is Kawani himself. Um, his two published books are The Sasquatch People and Their Interdimensional Connection in 2011 and The Psychic Sasquatch and Their UFO Connection in 1998 and has 61 years of research and personal experience with forest people and friendly ETs. Kiwani has been on numerous Bigfoot expeditions throughout the United States once for a period of two years. At times, he would spend up to five months at a stationary camp alone in the wilderness, always without weapons, trying to make contact with Sasquatch people. In 1979, he received the shock of his life when simultaneously a Sasquatch and an extraterrestrial being telepathically communicated with him, and at the time of contact, Lapsuritis was the assistant director of the Urban American Indian Agency, was working part-time... At the time of contact, Lasperitis was the assistant director of the Urban American Indian Agency, was working part-time as a hypnotherapist, and had been lecturing at the Medical College of Wisconsin, but was ill-prepared for a psychic encounter. Strangely, what followed was a triggering of what Eastern mystics would call a spiritual transformation, or opening of Kundalini. Kundalini, or opening of the Kundalini, where he became psychic overnight. After two years of being in denial of this drastic change, he decided to just let go and follow his heart. 
the psychic Sasquatch and Star People, ETs, have been contacting Lasperitis ongoing for the past 36 years. During this time, he has personally documented 327, 327 percipients who have also experienced the Bigfoot ET psychic connection. So Kiwani decided to develop a religion. He basically claims that he's been contacted by ETs and Sasquatch on numerous occasions, and much like any cult leader, he and only he can make this contact. Mm-hmm. Other people have had psychic encounters, but only he has the true knowledge. So, is this going along the lines like Catholics believe that you can only talk to God only through the a pope, priest? Only the Pope can talk to God. But I mean, like you, yeah, you, you can only have... talk to God through the through the priest, but only the Pope can talk to God. Same kind of thing. From this contact, he has brought us the lowly human race, what he calls the Sasquatch message to humanity, conversations with Elder Camus. That's an actual book. What um, was it again? The Sasquatch message to humanity, conversation with Elder Camus, and I'm probably going to buy it. Here are a few examples of some of the messages that have come from our Sasquatch elders. You can, I'll put a link up to the website, PsychicSasquatch.com, where this came from. This, <laughs> I will put these up on our website, Psychic Sasquatch. They come from Psychic Sasquatch. No, 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 just the way you had, oh, okay. the way you had said it. I was like... <laughs> we have a new in, website. In my mind, I was like, we have a new website. Maybe. We now have Psychic Sasquatch. I wish. <laughs> the Sasquatch are our elder brothers. We are more closely related to them than any other mammal. They were created by the Star Elders, ETs, before humans to care for Mother Earth. So they're saying that we came from, from ETs, by the way. Mm-hmm. To care for Mother Earth and assist in spiritual evolution of Earth's collective consciousness. We used to live together with the Sasquatch when humans were more spiritually conscious and were connected with the Council of the Elders. The Sasquatch are now protecting us and helping us grow and adapt to raise our consciousness through spiritual evolution. They are here to help us resolve con- collective karma and create spiritual dharma. The Sasquatch are incarnate, but they are advanced psychic abilities such as telepathy, mind reading, remote viewing, hypnosis, astral projection, dematerialization, teleportation, shape-shifting, and permeating consciousness. The ET allies of the Sasquatch people are, concern- are unconcerned with science obtaining empirical proof since they, are always, they will always be denial. That's convenient. Mm-hmm. No matter how much proof is provided. The global agenda now is a false doctrine and an ideology of domination. The rehabilitation of our collective consciousness is the only thing that matters, and it is the reason Sasquatch people are here, giving us this message. As our elder brothers, they have been watching over us since the conception and through all the phases of our long spiritual evolution of the last six million years that we have almost we have mostly forgotten. It is part of the mission of the Sasquatch people to help us reconnect with our higher soul. And with the Star Elders Council... Like them, the Sasquatch do not want to be worshipped, obeyed, nor prayed to. They only wish to be respected as they respect us. The Sasquatch wish to establish interspecies, peaceful, spiritual, loving relations, and to teach us their younger siblings. And, of course, to learn more, he wants you to buy his books mm-hmm. and, you know, pay them money and all. Then mm-hmm. attend their, you know, their, classes. their gatherings and stuff yeah. like that. It all seems perfectly harmless, of course, that is, until our friend, like Sassy Squatch Girl notes, he starts to see some red flags. This is from her blog, Bigfoot Mountain, and I'll post a link to this as well. It's bigfootmountain.blogspot.com. This one's called Don't Drink the Kool-Aid. 
some of the things that tell me to run here, that weirdness, in case you really can't recognize potential danger signals are as follows. Speaking with a vocabulary he thinks you won't understand. Showing how smart and qualified he is, making you think you should follow him. Speaking of the end of the world hypothesis, wars over destruction of the planet, they talk about that. Overemphasizing his credentials, degrees, background, etc. Mm -hmm. And of course, being the only one that has this knowledge because he's the only one they trust with it. Mm -hmm. And out of the middle of nowhere retreats. Yeah. In an SL, she says in her blog, don't drink the Kool-Aid unless it's black cherry because that shit's delicious. Oh, I like lemon-lime. I'm a black black cherry fan. Um, Well, I think it's lemon-lime because that was the only kind my dad would drink. And so that's what we tended to have more around the house was mom would buy more lemon-lime than anything else. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to post links to all this stuff. I love the whole thing of the Sasquatch. But I'm going to post it to the Squatch people. Like I said, I'll probably buy one or two of their books because I'm just interested in this shit. <laughs> um, Are you going to read it as fiction? Oh, come on. <laughs> um, man. I don't, I don't like, I, I, I get where she's coming from. I don't know if these people are dangerous. It is what it is. Um, if you, I'm going to put the links out there. Y'all can go to their websites. You go and check it out. I don't think the Gilgamesh and Dooku guy, what, what was it? Um, the second one. Enkiduism. Anki, oh, the first um, one. I don't think there's anything wrong with that guy. He's just a weird dude that likes to dress in animal furs and run around the wilderness. I hope he doesn't get shot. Yeah. Like, I worry about his safety. Um, if y'all want to, like, practice Enkiduism, maybe do it in your backyard. Not in North Carolina, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand miles from your homeland. Um, or maybe you don't put on a, an orange vest over your fur so people know you're human. Yeah. Um, Holy Order of the Sasquatch is completely just... That a, one sounds fun to me. It's fun. It's the whole reason I signed up for it. Like, it's just fun. I want to know more about this. Um, they have publications. They have t-shirts. It's all about just, like, you know, just having fun and being creative and they even got a thing. There's like a free way to make money is to download their pamphlet here, and walk around and hand them out on the street and just collect donations. Like I love it. Um, local bylaws concerning solicitation donations may be must be obeyed. Distribute at your own risk. Um, love those guys. I'm actually gonna see if I can get a hold of them and see if they would love to talk to us on the podcast sometime. Um, even the last one. I mean, it's definitely the crazier the ones. This guy is obviously a little off his rocker. Yeah. Um, and he's just like all those freaking Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, weird dudes that just think they're something special. Mm-hmm. I know Dr. Phil's like just a psychologist, but he obviously thinks he's more than he is. Yeah. Um, this guy just seems like that, too. He's probably harmless. But, you know, use caution with any of this stuff. Anytime you want to join a cult, um, just be careful. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink it. Um, man, that's all. That's all I got this week. A little, little, uh, Bigfoot cult action. <laughs> I'm still thinking about joining, starting the uh, Order of the Dancing Fruit, though. I think we should. Yeah, I got some good t-shirt ideas for that. <laughs> Actually, I want to say, was that me and Pat? I, we've been talking about that since high school. So, I don't know. Might have me and Pat. I don't know. Um, I don't want to take full credit for something that may not be my whole idea, wholly my idea, but um, I was definitely involved in it at least, but it's been so long I can't remember how it even came up. Anyway, 
I think it's time for our, from our home offices in Indianola, Iowa, this week's top ten list. Yay! Top ten signs you might be in a Bigfoot cult. <laughs> okay. Top ten signs you might be in a Bigfoot cult. Here we go. Number ten. Your leader claims to speak in Sasquatch chatter, but you're pretty sure it's just Swahili click. Number nine. Part of the initiation is taking nude photos of each other with a guy wrapped in a bearskin rug shouting, Not blurry enough! <laughs> oh my god. Naked, wrapped in bearskin rug. No, no. You're naked nude photos of each other. He's in a bearskin rug. Shouting at everybody, not blurry enough. Oh, my God. That's funny shit. Come on. Yeah, I'm just sitting there going, oh, my God. Number eight. Your shame circles usually revolve around foot size. (laughs) Gotta have the big feet. Number seven. You were told you'd come and go as you please, but every time you try to go home, your Sasquatch masters snatch you back up a few yards from freedom. (laughs) Number six. Your ass still hurts from all the Sasquatch foot tattoo you were forced to get. On your ass? I mean, they gotta brand you. <laughs> or else you're getting branded. Bigfoot. I want a Bigfoot. You, you thought that was going someplace else, didn't you? Yeah. All right. You're just. That's just, that's baby. I can't believe. <sighs> Number five. They said it was all about free love, but the pounding you keep taking from giant Sasquatch dick is hurting. T- oh my god. Okay. Starting to hurt. You're right. <laughs> Number four. Sure, the weed is great, but always leaves to talk about the upcoming Squatch Apocalypse. <laughs> Number three. You're pretty sure the leader is not even a Sasquatch. It's just some normal sized du- dude wrapped in beaver pelts. <laughs> Number two. You have yet to get close to your Bigfoot leader. But 40 homeless hippies doing love-in smells the same way. (laughs) Yeah. Musty, dirty. And number one, the ceremonial Kool-Aid is nothing but dirty puddle water with pine needles for flavor. (laughs) And that is your week's top ten list. Once again, it's good to be back. Thank you for listening to the Bigfoot King of the Forest podcast. As we said earlier, you can catch us on all the podcast apps, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Podtail, CastBox, Squatchbox, Stitcher, Spotify. There's more. Just type, look for us. We'll be out there. Unlike actual Sasquatch, we're easy to find. (laughs) Um, Check out our website. BigfootKingOfTheForest.com. You send can us stories. you can send us stories, limericks, photos. We drawings. have to do some the stuff with Alex's art. Yeah, we'll do some stuff with Alex's art coming up. But send us drawings, not nasty, illegal stuff like we've said before. Just you know, all in good fun. Send that to stories at BigfootKingOfTheForest.com. Well, next, what's next week's episode? Coming up next week, we are going to do my favorite piece of folklore and a piece of my childhood, Krampus. Mm-hmm. 
So we're gonna start getting into a couple episodes that are more holiday, more holiday themed. Um, Krampus is no, December sixth, so Krampus not actually not December sixth is Saint Nick's Day. December fifth is Krampus not, and we'll be putting that podcast out on first second the third on so the fourth. on third on third. So that'll be out in plenty of time for y'all to check it out for Krampus. Krampus not. You can be prepared. Be prepared. And maybe hopefully get yourself in good standing or the Krampus will come get you, mm-hmm. as my grandmother used to say. Mm-hmm. See, I never knew anything about Krampus. I was I... surprised at how many how few people knew about Krampus. Like, growing up is just part of our part of growing up. And I, I'm actually a little sad because, and I'll talk about this next week a little bit, I didn't do that for my kids. Like, I wish I would have done more like the stuff from my childhood. So I can't wait to have grandkids so I can scare the fuck out of them with well, Krampus stories. stories and, like, folklore. And yeah. I, mean, I don't remember really having any of that growing up either. We had some. We had some. We but, didn't really. Um, anyway, so, like I said, that's it. We're looking forward to that. Um, like, we'll have some more Christmas stories coming up. Um, we're going to push the Grunch Bunch back. We're going to do that on December 8th. But um, we've the got some Derby's doing roller derby obligations coming up. So... Um, we'll push that out a little bit, but we're going to have the gang back together here before the end of the year, mm-hmm. and we'll get together for something. I'm wondering maybe maybe the Christmas one. We'll see if we can come out for that one, or maybe we'll do a Riguru episode. Um, had Thanksgiving with Andrea, Jeremy, and Keegan, and Andrea's and Jeremy's family, um, and uh, our buddy Chris, that y'all know, and got some good got, got into some good conversation with Andrea's dad, who's a Cajun guy from down mm-hmm. here, and he knows all about... Rougarou and um, Lady Fi- Lady Longfingers, mm-hmm. Madame Toigrat or so, I don't know. I can't think of. This. I can't spell the French name. She tickles your toes. But anyway, that's it. Again, f- finally, that's it. Just remember to have your Bigfoot spayed or neuter. We really don't want any baby squatches. No little squatches. And we will see everybody next week. Bye, guys. to the Bigfoot King of the Forest podcast. The underlying track today was Face of Peyote by Purple Six Records on Looperman.com.